Amen. Thank you. And uh, it's good to be back with you. And we had a great trip. I want to thank all of you for your prayers uh, for the last couple of weeks while I was ministering in India. And uh, the Lord was with us there, even though the temperature never got below 100 degrees, uh, up to 115. It was hot. But I like hot weather, so we made it fine. No problem. And the people are so nice to me. They're so appreciative and uh, in my coming and my ministry there. Um, we landed at the airport. Uh, Itarsi, where the Bible College, Seminary, Church, Orphanage is about 93 kilometers, about 52, 53 miles. And instead of, Dr. Thomas met me there, he said, instead of taking the SUV out, they're working on the road, it takes forever. Uh, we're going to catch a train. Had to hurry and make the train. So we took the train out, which is really nice. Didn't have to worry about the traffic and all of that. But uh, when we landed in Itarsi, they had students, faculty members, everybody was there for me. And the custom is, when you have somebody like me come in, you put a garland of flowers around their neck. I want you to see, they put one thing around my neck, then they put two garland flowers, then three garland flowers, then four garland flowers, so I said, somebody take my picture. They're not going to believe this. So heavy, I couldn't hardly hold my neck back up. But they, met, they really wanted to welcome me. And it was just a blessed time of ministry. Long time to get there. Long time to get home. But praise the Lord, I was healthy the whole time. Thank you for your prayers. I just enjoyed ministering to the students, to the local church there. And uh, as I said last night, I preached about seven times in seven days. And taught hours in the college, but it's a great time of ministry, and we thank the Lord for it. I'm going to get right into the message this morning. You already saw the title on the board. It was there before. Jesus is with us in the storm. Pastor Darrell's been uh, almost referring to that and uh, having us look up in this, uh, in this service. And uh, my message is a story from Matthew, the 14th chapter, where the uh, disciples were going across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus came walking on the water uh, and surprised them all. There was a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I've been to Israel a number of times with, with uh, tours and so on, and one thing we always do is go up on the Sea of Galilee, take a boat trip in the, in the wooden boats. It's like we're reenacting the time of Christ, and it really is a picturesque, beautiful body of water and uh, so we were there and I thank God it was no storm like I'm preaching tonight it was very nice but uh, while I was there they had t-shirts sweatshirts uh, put out from uh, Holy Land Sailing so I bought one I've never used it and I thought I better not preach in a t-shirt just doesn't fit my personality but on the back of it says I've sailed on the Sea of Galilee so I've been where the disciples were about 2,000 years apart, but uh, uh, we were so, sailed on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, it's just a great experience, and we thank God before we can do it. First, as I start, I want to look at the background of the setting of our story, or this event. When the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm came, our Lord at this time was approaching really a high point in his ministry. Um, Miracles were taking place. He just finished feeding 5,000 people, men, with, uh, plus women and children, with just a few 
two fish and a, a little bit of loaves of bread. And uh, Jesus was becoming really accepted and popular, but this, he was a, definitely a source of concern to the religious authorities. They didn't know what to do with Jesus in irritating them. Persecution was beginning to increase at this time. King Herod had just put John the Baptist to death. And uh, Matthew, the book of Matthew, notes the significance of that cruel death with two statements. Number one, first statement that Matthew made, Herod heard about the fame of Jesus. You know what his reaction was when he heard about the miracles? He said, it's John the Baptist come back to life. He had killed John the Baptist. But I think he said that because basically the only thing Herod would know about anything about God was what we've seen John the Baptist do. If I can kill him, I get rid of this whole thing, and then miracles are happening anyhow. It must be John the Baptist coming back to life was what he thought about. Uh, Matthew also tells us that when Jesus heard the news of John's death, it says he departed into a desert place to pray, to be alone with his Father God and his thoughts. I'm sure it must have been a, a moment of personal pain in the Lord's own heart because he loved John the Baptist, not just because he was a forerunner of his ministry, but they were cousins, probably uh, boyhood companions, spent by probably hours together as, as growing up. Their mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, were very close to each other. And it was at this precise moment, right after John the Baptist was killed, that Jesus told his disciples to get into a boat and go over to the other side of the lake. But Jesus didn't go with them at this time. The Bible says that Jesus actually says he was dismissing the large crowd from feeding the 5,000. And then he didn't want to go with them. He was going to go up, it says, up to a mountain, up to a hill, and spend more time in personal prayer, communion with his heavenly Father, following the stage with John the Baptist being, being killed. So the disciples follow what Jesus told them to do. Uh, they got into a ship and headed for troubled waters. Well, I say that they were men of the sea. Remember, at least a third of the disciples were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. That was their home on that sea. They knew all about it. That's where they made their living. Until Jesus came and said, come and follow me, and I will make you into something else, something different than you are now. I want to read Matthew 14, Mark 14, um, number 22, verse 22 to 27. Actually, I'm going to begin with verse 20, which is the end of the feeding of the 5,000. And it says, the people ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. Talk about a miracle. Then it goes right in. Immediately, Jesus walks on the water after this. Immediately, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Can you read that up there? I hope it looks kind of, kind of not sharp, kind of faded out today. I hope you can read that. Um, he's after um, uh, he after he went to pray up into a mountain, 
uh, night fell, and he was there. Verse 26, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking in the water, they were terrified, and in great fear, they cried out, It is a ghost. But Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Amen. Amen. That's my message I want to preach this morning. Let's apply this to our own lives if we can. How many times do we like to decide, maybe step out. We want to follow the Lord. We want to walk in obedience. So we step out in faith. We're going to follow the Lord's direction, but you know what happens? We find out, we meet the unknown. Something happens. The unexpected. We're trying to serve the Lord, and something unexpected comes. Sometimes it seems then that the unexpected and the sudden storm come into our life even when we are trying to follow the Lord. The first point of my message, you have the back of your bulletin that's empty, you can write on there. First point is going to be on the, machine, on the screen up here. We must learn to recognize Jesus even in the middle of a storm. We need to recognize Jesus. See, the disciples had lived with Jesus. They knew him in a very personal and a real way. But from this incident, we understand there was a moment when they did not recognize the Master's presence. Think about us this morning. I wonder as I prepared this message, does that happen to us sometimes? When we get going through something deep, and where is the Lord? I think there's times when we can't see clearly the Lord and his plan, his care to take care of us. I think we often do not recognize the Master's presence in different situations we find ourselves in. After all, it may be easier for us to be conscious of God when we're here in church, when we're with other Christians, when we're on our knees praying maybe the presence of the Lord, or when we're in a prayer meeting or a fellowship time with the rest of brothers and sisters. But what about the night? What of the darkness? Or the lonely moments? Or the personal struggles that we're going through? What are the trying times, the storms in our life, are we able then to recognize Jesus? Or do we feel all alone at those times? Do we say, where is he now? When I need him, I can't seem to feel like I used to. I can't seem to feel the touch or even see his purpose in all the things I'm going through right now. See, the disciples did not recognize Jesus in the storm. They were too wrapped up in the struggle of the moment. They saw the tossing waves. They felt the threat of death and they heard the wind. They saw the lightning. They felt the rain coming upon them. But they didn't recognize the Lord. So I emphasize, we must learn to recognize God and see him in every situation. Anybody say amen? Yeah. Amen. See, life has a way of teaching us, no matter how long we live, and I've lived an awful long time, life still has surprises. I won't even ask for a show of hands on that. Life still has surprises for us. See, the disciples were just about to learn the greatest lesson they would ever receive 
And that's the truth of Jesus in the storm. Who is he? They already knew that he was a supplier of all their needs. They'd already seen him be able to pay taxes with money out of a fish's mouth. <laughs> they knew he could multiply loaves and fishes and take care of thousands of people. That he spoke the words of life. They knew he had power over the works of the devil. They knew he was a great teacher. But they had never met him in a storm. Never met him in a storm. And they didn't recognize him in that situation. Bless you. I think all too often, don't pay attention, listen to me. Don't pay attention. Hey, I think often we make the same mistakes. We go through something. And I don't, we believe in our salvation, our forgiveness of sins. We look to him as a supplier of our needs. We trust him. He's going to take us to glory someday. We know that. But when everything is falling apart, we find it difficult to see Jesus. What do we think? You know, there may be some ideas I'd like to just mention that we can think of. We can't seem to believe, now get this, that God would allow a storm to teach us to trust him. Do you follow what I said? It's hard to believe that God would let a storm come in our life just so we could learn how to trust him. We're never quite sure he is near when things really get rough in our life. Where is he? Is he near? <laughs> the ship is now tossing. It appears they're sinking. Everything is contrary. They're losing hope at this time. The Bible says, Matthew 14, 25 to 27, be again on the screen, in the fourth hour of the night. That's about three o'clock in the morning. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Come three o'clock in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. It's not a spirit, it is I. I'm here, Jesus said. My first point, we have to learn to recognize Jesus even in the storms of life. If you write that down. Second point, we must learn to cope with our fears. Second point, we have to cope with our fears. The word fear. Fear is a destructive force that plagues every one of us at certain times. You know, I'd like to say some fear is normal. It helps us survive certain things. Um, for example, the fear of walking out in front of a car, that's a good thing. Amen? <laughs> Unless you're in India. I want to tell you, I am afraid to walk in... My apologies for all the Indians that are here this morning. But, but I'm afraid to walk out in traffic when I'm in India sometimes. Dr. Thomas gets a hold... He holds on to me so I don't walk in front of the cars and the motorcycles, which are going every which direction all at once, it seems or especially riding from our little town to the airport. They have the biggest, most ugly trucks I've ever seen. They're loaded, and look, they're coming right at you in this little narrow road. It scares me to death when I see them coming. 
So those are normal fears. Amen? And they have a purpose to protect us against danger. But I want to say something else. Fear has a spiritual force. I ask you to put this on the, on the over here. I want you to see that. Fear, yeah, there's normal fears. Take care of yourself. But there is a spiritual part that we need to understand the force. Fear can actually destroy us if we yield to it. I want to say something. Fear is not of God. Amen? Amen. God is not the author of fear. God does not send fear upon his people. He made all things. He sustains all things. He has the key to all things. He's in charge of everything. And God himself has no fear. No fear. I should have brought a t-shirt that said that this morning. No fear. What could there be that would cause God to fear? What would there be to cause him to fear? The word of God proves he has nothing to fear. He conquered every enemy, put them under his feet. It is finished, he said. Therefore, if that's the truth, his children really have nothing to fear. If we are in Christ then we should not be fearing all these things. Thank you for all those amens. That's really, that's powerful. We are in Christ. In Christ, he has no fear. So what are we doing having fear if we're in Christ? Think about that for a minute. What I'm trying to get across this morning is Jesus has done all these things for us, but we often don't see him in the storms of life. When things are going rough, Feel like we're going down. Wonder if we're going to make it. I tell you, all of us in church probably have seen God moving in such a way that no one except God could have answered that prayer or taken care of us. Yet we have trouble seeing or feeling Jesus at all times. We seem to forget the scripture and put them under your head. Psalms 37:23 tells us the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. The psalmist goes on and says in the next verse, though he fall, though he's got a problem, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Think about that. That's talking about your storm, your folly. God's with you, upholding you. And I can't go on without quoting verse 25, because that's my verse. Once I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen it for a long time, and God's on this thing. Think of this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and if God upholds a good man with his hand, hallelujah, then he must be with us all the time. He's never far away. He's never been out of sight, even. He sees us. <laughs> we may not see him, but he sees us. Amen? And when all seems to be going wrong, he is still in control. Amen? He's in control. I wondered as I prepared this message if we were like the disciples sometime. Not one of the disciples recognized Jesus when he came walking on the water. Hey, we may recognize, a lot of the disciples may have recognized, we could, if he was, say, at the Samaritan well, explaining to the woman about eternal life, we can accept that. Or in the temple when he's driving out the money tear. Man, we really get excited. Let's clear all the stuff out of the church. 
all the money changers. Get them out. We expect one day to be with him at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Amen. We are kings and priests unto God. But do we expect him to be with us in the storms of life? That's the point. For the disciples, they could have felt very naturally like this, isn't it? Not from the enemy or anything else. They could have said, well, this storm is just an act of nature. How many times do we explain away things happen to us when really there's a spiritual dimension? Well, it's just happened. It's just an act of nature. Or, or we, we feel things happening. Say, well, that's just the way life is. You know? No, it was an, they could say, it was an unexpected disaster, a tragic act of fate. The storm just came. Maybe an a unwanted, unnecessary trial I'm going through. It was a night to be forgotten. If we could only remember the verse in Psalm 107, verse 29, he maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. You're going through it? We've already got a written word from Psalms 107, 29, that he makes the storm calm that we're in. He makes those waves be still. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, with God living in us, there's no room for fear. Don't let fear take over. We must discover in him, I want to say through the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is power to cope with fear in every form that it might show itself in our lives. Let's get on a spiritual basis. Let me just review the points I've made so far. Number one, we must recognize Jesus even in the storm. Number two, we must learn to cope with our fears. Third point I want you to write down, we must learn to trust God in the darkest hour. Learn to trust God in the darkest hour. The storm that came on the disciples came on them quickly. And there was no thought no thought that Jesus was nearby or that he was watching over them. I wonder what they were thinking, what their fears in this sudden danger. I thought about the disciples. I wonder if one of them would have said, uh, hey, this is the work of the devil. He wants to kill us because good things have we been doing. The devil's out to get us. Maybe somebody else thought, where did we go wrong? God must be angry with one of us in the ship. God is punishing us. Others may have reacted, we're just doing what Jesus told us to do. We're not out of his will. Why this sudden storm? Jesus told us to get on this ship. Why is this happening? How many times have you said or I said, why is this happening? We read here, the Bible says, in the fourth watch of the night. Just before dawn. Worst possible time, it's still really dark. The night has been long. All hope of ever getting out of the storm is fading as we move forward. And then Jesus came unexpectedly, showed up. And he came with miraculous power and demonstration. I want you to remember this. Jesus can calm a sea of trouble in our lives at any time by simply speaking a word. One word from Jesus can calm any storm. 
I love that song, the second song we sang this morning. I've never heard it before, but about the ocean waves, nothing to be afraid of. That, that's what I was going to preach about today. I think we really have to realize that there is peace in the time of trouble. We have to have faith. We have to have faith in the Lord. Jesus told them to go. So why couldn't they just trust him while they're going? Circumstances brought them down. Jesus is in the storm with us, even in our darkest hours. Remember that. Darkest hours. We need to trust him to be of good cheer, even when it looks like <laughs> your ship is sinking. Trust him anyhow. I'd like to make a statement right now. It's an, it's, it, it is imperative that we recognize Jesus in the storm, even if we seem to be going through the darkest hour. It is imperative, absolutely has to be, that we recognize Jesus in the storm, no matter what. Let me give you my last point this morning. Number four, we must resist the negative things, <laughs> the ghost of life. We have to resist the negative, the ghost of life. They said it's a ghost. It's not only true that the disciples failed to recognize Jesus, but they thought he was a spirit, not a real person. They saw him, but they said, that's a ghost. Something imaginary in, his, in their mind, something unreal, something just in their mind. And the point I want to make, never take the true things of God and give them an untrue place in your life. Do you get that? Don't take the true things that you know from the Word of God or that you've had relationship with God and make an untrue thing. It's not a ghost. It's not the spirit you made up. Stay with the Lord in our, in our storm. Amen. Don't mistake Jesus or God's dealing in a negative, self-centered place in our thinking. In their fear, get this, in their fear, they imagined what was happening. They were in trouble. They cried out, it's a ghost. It is a spirit. Many times we are not able to see Jesus in our troubles. Instead, we see other things, ghosts, things we imagine that are not real. We make an explanation and miss the visitation. Did you follow that? What are you saying? We make a, what? Explanation. It's a ghost. It's just a spirit. It's something I see out there. And miss the fact of the one who said, it is I. We say, it is a spirit. He says, it is I. Don't mistake an explanation we're giving for the visitation from God that he is teaching and wants us to, to, to know. The psalmist David reminds us in Psalms 29.10, The Lord sitteth upon the floods, the Lord sitteth king forever. Now, I like the version I put on the screen here. I want you to read that. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. You're in a storm? He's in charge of the floodwaters. And he's, cre he's king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's on the throne, even if your flood is taken over. Don't let that get you down. He is in charge of the flood water. Amen. See, our storms 
may not be water like they had. It may be our source. It may be anxiety. could be fear. could be sickness. could be relationships caused by wrong thinking. It's easy to imagine all kinds of things that are not real. When they imagine things, they saw something that was not real. They failed to say, see what was real. They failed to see Jesus, who really was real, and they said it's something else. Don't explain away what we don't understand. Just rely on Jesus to pull us out. Again, remember, he did promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Anybody say amen? He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. As I was saying about the story, I really wish that somebody in that little boat would have said, hey, Jesus sent us on ahead of him. We are in his will, so everything's going to be all right. Or, as it got closer, somebody said, hey, I see Jesus. He's right over there. But no, they said he's a ghost. Fear of the unknown set in. Don't let fear of the unknown set in and rob you of your vision of Jesus helping you. This kind of thinking, I just want to say, is of the devil. They thought, what they thought was negative, it was wrong. We need to bring our thoughts under control through the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to be with us even in the storm. Whatever you're going through, Jesus wants to be with you. And we need him in everything. So acknowledge his presence. Welcome him in, into your little boat. Welcome him into our life, into our situation, whatever it may be. The truth is, no matter the storm, God is not angry with us. Amen. God's not angry with you. The storm had not come because God was angry with any of them. This was God's work. He was coming to bring, he was going to come and save them, to keep them, to preserve with power what they needed at that very moment. So see him at work. See, the storm, why did it come? It has a purpose in every one of our lives. Things you're going through. Let God work through those. There's a purpose. And it could bring us to complete rest and trust in the Lord rather than deny that the Lord is even with us anymore. Psalms 48 uh, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in what? Trouble. When you're in trouble, he's a very present help because he is your refuge and your strength. And Jesus is always there. Hallelujah. In my conclusion, let me just, what are the lessons we learn from this message? Number one, number one, point one, we must learn to recognize the master in all circumstances. Number two, we must learn to cope with our fears, to handle them, rather than let them paralyze us. Don't let your fear paralyze you. Cope with that. Thirdly, we must learn to trust him in the darkest hour. I don't know what people are going through, but I said at the beginning, it seems to me like uh, there are storms in people's lives today that are way beyond what I used to remember people going through. Things are tough in our society, and we need to remember in the darkest hour. And fourthly, fourthly we must resist seeing the negative Resist seeing the ghosts of life. God does not want his people to be 
in worry or anxiety. Jesus is always with us. Our storms may be whatever, sickness, disease, pain, loss, whatever. But Jesus is in the midst of the storm. He's there to help us. He's, he's there to say, it is I, be not afraid. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Amen. Let's not be in despair no matter what comes our way because Jesus has said, peace be still. Let's bow our heads in closing. My time's about gone. Let's close our eyes for a moment of prayer. How many can say, our heads bowed, I don't want anybody looking around. How many would really raise your hand and say, this message really spoke to me this morning? Amen. Across the audience. I knew it would. It's where I'm at, in the middle of a storm. I need Jesus coming my way. Nobody's looking around. I just want you to raise your hands for prayer if God's been speaking to you. And just, I want to pray for you. Then we're going to have communion. But I want to just to wait for just a minute for the Holy Spirit to confirm the word that was given this morning to each one of you. And then we'll pray. Just let the Holy Spirit talk about my trouble, my little boat, my storm. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for being with us even in the storm, for helping us to see you, Lord. I pray you bless our communion service as we commit everything to you in him. Pastor Darrell.